Friends, before we begin, let me invite you to keep up with all the Tracks for the Journey resources by subscribing to the Tracks Express newsletter. Once a week, I send a wide range of helps for well-being directly to your inbox. The Express has inspiration and insights for spirituality, relationships, ecology, emotional health, and yes, recipes for good food. The easiest way to subscribe is on my website, www.tracksforthejourney.com. Thanks for listening today. Numerous clinical studies have shown the positive impact one's spiritual life can have on physical health. Our belief systems can lower stress, which brings great benefits to physical wellness. Spirituality also contributes to resilience, boosting our healthy adjustment when faced with adverse circumstances. But here's the concern. Not all spirituality enhances well-being. Hello everyone, I'm Larry Payne, your host of Tracks for the Journey. Thanks for listening to this episode. Today, we're going to be exploring the connection between spirituality and health. Have you ever heard of the Good News Bible? It was published in 1966 by the American Bible Society and was greeted as a minor revolution among Christians. The translation focused on simple language and phrase-by-phrase equivalents. As a young Christian, I treasured my copy as a translation that left behind the 16th century words of the King James Version to offer my kind of modern language. The meanings jumped off the page for me to study and interpret. Even as a teenager, I felt my interpretations could be helpful for life. I still have that Bible, marked up and stained from youth retreats and trips. We know today that clinical research and many stories have shown that spirituality impacts our well-being. Your health is intertwined with what you believe and practice. You're not divided into separate compartments of the mind, the body, and the emotions, but are a unity that blends all this together. Sometimes our modern age has neglected this connection. In this episode I'm entitling, Your Bible and Your Health, I want to talk about how we interpret the Bible, understand our spirituality, and impact our well-being. I'm sure you're aware of my background as a Christian minister. This episode will focus on spirituality from that perspective. This is not to dismiss or demean any other faith tradition. All are valuable and have religious truth to honor. No matter what the tradition, spiritual life impacts well-being. In thinking about you, I'm assuming that most of you who listen do have an interest in the Bible. Some may have read all 66 books of the Protestant Bible in the course of a year, Others may only remember the major stories from some religious education years ago. I hope that many of you are real students of Scripture and enjoy digging in depth. I've enjoyed the privilege of nearly 50 years of academic study. 
No matter how you may come to this book, one thing is certain, and the lesson of today, you are an interpreter. What do I mean by saying that everyone is an interpreter of the Bible? Interpretation is the act of finding meaning and moving it to a new area of life. You've no doubt seen interpreters for the deaf signing the language on TV or maybe in person. Those interpreters hear the spoken word and then translate it into sign language a person with hearing disability can understand. Each of us must do this with the content of the Bible. This interpretive act will affect our spirituality, and therefore it's going to affect our personal well-being. We are not the first ones to interpret spiritual ideas, of course. It may seem interesting and maybe unusual, but we must think of the Bible itself as the record of human beings struggling to interpret God and God's work. Nearly every chapter is packed with this struggle. Moses debated God as the bush in the desert burned up. The prophet Habakkuk asked God what was going on as the nation of Israel faced annihilation from the nation of Babylon. The apostles of Jesus tried to prevent him from doing the unthinkable, of becoming a martyr for the true kingdom of God. In each of these examples, faithful persons running up against what they had known from their faith and what was happening in their circumstances struggled to be interpreters. Their faith was forced to listen to the answers of the past and translate that into the confusion of their current experience. New new interpretations emerged in this struggle to understand the old with the new. We can find that Christian history also shows interpretation has continued to evolve our faith. The scriptures have been interpreted in many different ways across the globe in 2,000 years. About 500 years after Jesus lived, in the area we now call the Middle East, there were more Christians living than in the churches of Europe. The Bible was interpreted then to teach that the highest form of devotion was the celibate monk who isolated himself from the world to seek union with God. It was a thousand years later that a German monk named Martin Luther upended Catholic teaching by saying the real presence of Christ was not in the Eucharistic bread and wine. We could even fast forward to Los Angeles in 1906, where a strange revival began which featured speaking in tongues and healings. This revival would give birth to the charismatic movement that is spread across the world today. All these events are connected to the Bible's teaching, yet full of new understandings and practices for subsequent generations. Another facet of interpretation to consider is your own personal experience. My religious upbringing was in a church with a fundamentalist theology. The Bible was considered inerrant, meaning it had no mistakes, contradictions, or mistruths. Many of the doctrines taught originated from clergy living more than 400 years before my time. 
The common doctrines taught that only men should lead a church. All other world religions were false. Evolution denied God as creator. And it was best to keep the races separated. Now, what did you learn about religion when you were growing up? My past was different than my good friend who was raised in a Catholic church. She learned the Bible and the traditions of the church went hand in hand, as they had done so across 1,900 years, and when the Pope spoke, it was infallible. As a nun, she lived for a while in a convent, rising at 4 a.m. to say her prayers. Her teachers and her own church used a Bible that had seven more books than the Protestant version. How confusing was that? I know your personal story is different. This means that you will interpret the Bible in ways that vary from me or my friends, maybe even from your parents. It really cannot be any other way. All of us must interpret the Bible based on our own experience. I do appreciate you listening today. This episode is exploring your Bible and your health. We're talking about interpreting the Bible, our spirituality, and well-being. So how do these things connect? Well, numerous clinical studies have shown the positive impact one's spiritual life can have on physical health. Our belief systems can lower stress, which brings great benefit to physical wellness. Spirituality also contributes to resilience, boosting our healthy adjustment when faced with adverse circumstances. But here's the concern. Not all spirituality enhances well-being. When personal beliefs are highly structured and unyielding, stress levels will grow as the reality of different events unfolds. For instance, if I believe my faith will always bring healing for my body— and my son dies of a birth defect shortly after birth, then I have and will experience an existential negative stress event. If I read the Bible as a rule book for all times and all places, and then interpret it to say that homosexuality is immoral, it may have a negative stress reaction when my daughter's teacher is gay. You can see that how we interpret the Bible and forge our stance of faith is so important for our well-being physically and emotionally. So is there a way to promote a strong spirituality and yet have a healthy emotional life? I think one answer can be found in learning a better pattern of understanding the Bible. In his book entitled, How the Bible Actually Works, Dr. Peter Inns directs us to look at this biblical and historical pattern to find a way of interpreting the Bible for today. He calls it the way of wisdom. The prophets and teachers of the Bible did not hold a static view of the works that had preceded them. They sensed a new leadership of God from their own age and cultural situation. He writes, quote, Different times and different circumstances call for people of faith 
to perceive God and God ways differently. He writes, quote, Different times and different circumstances call for people of faith to perceive God and God's ways differently. End quote. The book I mentioned today by Dr. Peter Enns is entitled How the Bible Actually Works and the subtitle in which I explain how an ancient, ambiguous, and diverse book leads us to wisdom rather than answers and why that's great news. Enns is a provocative and interesting writer, a Ph.D. from Harvard who is now an esteemed Old Testament teacher and editor of many books. In this exciting volume, I've really come to understand some new things about Scripture. I hope you'll consider investing in it. He reveals that once we see that wisdom is the Bible's true subject matter, not just an answer book, then it becomes clear that it operates more like a wise parent than an encyclopedia. Good parents wish for their children to become mature and wise adults, not just rule followers. In the same way, the Bible forces us to wrestle with and refine how we follow God in today's world. As Peter Inns writes this book, I have found it challenging and interesting. One of the reviewers, Richard Rohr, says this, Seldom will you encounter such a fine combination of historical scholarship interesting reading and clever humor in one biblical study and it's filled with faith and hope besides this book can be purchased from harper one the publishers or from your favorite bookstore i hope you'll find it interesting and grow in your ability to interpret the scripture Bible as wisdom literature as proposed by Dr. Enns helps us to see that the truths about God and the doctrines of faith are not locked into a museum, unchanging and immutable. The understanding of God and God's work found in the pages of the Bible is wrapped in the ancient culture. God did not write a binding code of spiritual law for all time. Instead, God inhabited the world of the Bible with dynamic presence giving guidance for that day. For this, we can believe that God is at work today in the same way. We now live in a different world, faced with challenges and issues the devoted leaders of old could not imagine. To quote ends once again, quote, Our sacred responsibility is to engage the stories of the past in order to faithfully and seriously reimagine God in our present moment. End quote. 
This movement does not mean that the timeless truths of the faith are to be rejected. The truths that God is love, murder is wrong, repentance is necessary, would just be a sample of the bedrock truths that have brought abundant life to millions. We must, however, sort out the timeless from the merely cultural and time-bound teachings in those pages. There is chaff as well as wheat in the pages of Scripture. The task of wisdom is to seek the discerning guidance of God to follow His direction in our radically changed world. To go back to the pages of the Bible, the famous Apostle Paul perhaps had the greatest challenge of interpreting old teachings for a new time. After his conversion to follow the Messiah Jesus, he was forced to radically reinterpret and reimagine the work of God. The meaning of the Messiah, the kingdom of God, salvation, and the afterlife all were different than what Judaism had taught for centuries. The pages of the New Testament are the record of Paul's interpretive work in finding new meanings in the words of the Hebrew Scriptures. He rejected the old interpretations of his rabbinical teachers. He wrote in Romans, quote, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. End quote. The word now shows us that new interpretation for a new generation had become essential. As we do the same type of work, we open our hearts to the work of God within our present world. The interpretation and doctrines of the past are not chiseled in stone to be held forever. God is here to guide us in living the faith today, forging what we hope are deeper, broader, and more inspiring truths to follow. Let me finish our exploration today by talking about how we do this work of interpretation. Following this way of wisdom in understanding the truths of the faith is helped by many tools. We learn from science how truth is to be tested and examined. We learn from philosophy that our beliefs must be coherent. We learn from history that God is not uncomfortable with diversity and change. We learn from great religious teachers that God can be experienced in transformative ways. We should not neglect any of these authorities in dialogue with the Bible to forge the path for our life today. I truly see this happening today as progressive Christians seek to interpret the Bible for a new generation, struggling to find God's work among a world that is filled with ten major world religions, 7,000 languages, technologies which alter human DNA, potential life on other planets, and financial inequality that still oppresses billions, removing them from a quality of life right here on earth. Using the art of wisdom in forming a spirituality for today will help us to meet these incredible challenges. For a real-world example of wisdom bringing timeless truth to the present, we know that the past 150 years 
women's equality has emerged in a majority of world nations. The Bible boldly proclaimed 2,000 years ago, quote, There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, end quote. But a male-dominated society would not really heed that message for 1,800 years. The focus instead fell on the patriarchal passages of the Bible as the unchanging pattern for society, rather than just culturally bound viewpoints in which God had been forced to work. This work of better interpretation took decades to unfold. In the late 1700s, some French writers began to push for full women's rights. In 1792, an English heiress, Mary Wollstonecraft, wrote a seminal best-selling book, Advancing Equality. Victorian ideals that the women's place was only to be in the home began to crack. By the mid-1800s, educational opportunities were opening for women in the English-speaking world. Many of the leaders of this movement based their arguments on biblical ideals of equality— just like the passage I cited, challenging the patriarchal passages as merely a reflection of ancient society, not God's timeless truth. It was in 1894, in New Zealand, that women first received the right to vote. Christians remained divided on the issues in the early 1900s, and then it was that millions of women took up the cause to win the right to vote in England, which they did in 1918, and in the United States in 1920. By the mid-20th century, women were working competently in every field of human endeavor. Today, that seems like the normal thing. But we know the fight is not over for full equal rights and equal pay across the world. It was the way of wisdom, the necessity of seeking timeless truths for new times, which provided a foundation for this long-overdue transformation. Considering all this, your well-being can be advanced by practicing good spirituality. The Bible is the fertile soil that will join with other sources of authority to bring timeless truths that blossom today. I hope you'll learn to interpret these sacred passages with wisdom and grow towards better life. I'm Larry Payne, your podcast host, and I want to remind you that Tracks for the Journey Season 1 is available from your podcast host. You can download any of the eight episodes and listen to them, and please rate them if you find them helpful. I look forward to another great season of episodes ahead. Tracks for the Journey is produced at the Bright Star Studio on the High Plains of West Texas, all rights reserved. Original music is provided by Jan Bjork. Please visit the Facebook page, Tracks for the Journey, to learn more about this broadcast. I welcome you to follow the page and enter the discussions. And if you liked what you heard today, subscribe to the podcast on your podcast host, and you can get a copy immediately notifying when one is posted. I'd encourage you to share the link with a friend 
and to rate it wherever you get your podcasts. You can also reach me by email at the address trackspodcast at mail.com. Keep making tracks on your journey for well-being.